Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, we are thrilled to turn our spotlight on today's guest, Data Assembly. Data Assembly provides pricing, promotion, and assortment transparency for retailers and CPGs. Data Assembly aims to collect every price of every product in every store. And today, we are thrilled because we are joined by Data Assembly's CEO and co-founder, Ben Reich. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Ann. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's great to have you. So I think we've started, I mean, we probably started talking to you, gosh, it feels like it was six, seven months ago. Mm -hmm. You have a solution that we think is really interesting because, and we actually just put a piece out on this last week, a week or two ago on Forbes around just pricing transparency, uh, understanding the prices at different retailers across CPGs and just how much more important that's becoming in the digital age. Just things are changing faster and things are just getting more dynamic. And what you guys do at Data Assembly is, is really right along those lines is to provide CBGs and retailers more insight into how things work. So, so let's start. Let's just start in the obvious spot. Who are you, Ben? And you know, what is Data Assembly? Yeah, um, Data Assembly collects pricing data from across the web and provides insight to CPGs and retailers and QSRs about products, promotions, assortment, and pricing. You know, what we see in the marketplace is just uh, an incredible proliferation of pricing, sophistication, and complexity. And the retailers and CPGs we work with are just incredibly frustrated with their ability to understand uh, the hyper-local, real-time pricing dynamics of their competitors' products and even often of, of their own products. Um, and so my co-founder, Dan Gallagher, and I founded Data Assembly to, to solve this problem. Um, so we're collecting incredible amounts of pricing data from across the web and building visualizations, dashboards, solutions, and analytics that really unlock here the, the potential of pricing and product information uh, for our partners. Absolutely. We want to get in, get a little more into exactly how that works and, and, and what information you're specifically seeing in the market. But you and Dan, how long have you guys been doing this? Oh, yeah. So Dan and I were, we were classmates up at Cornell. I was studying math. He was in computer science. Uh, we worked together as early software engineers at uh, Applied Predictive Technologies, a retail analytics firm uh, out in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Uh, and then branched out to found Data Assembly, now um, incredibly coming on, I think, almost five years ago. Um, so that's uh, we've 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 been in it for a while here, wow. collecting uh, this sort of data and and watching the market really move towards this kind of um, hyper local pricing sophistication that we were we were just starting to see crop up uh, a couple of years ago. So we're you know we're both technologists at heart. We're both uh, software engineers by training, and we you know we saw here an incredibly interesting and difficult technology problem that we're really passionate about solving. Yeah. So take us back because Ann and I are entrepreneurs and. And we always just love these stories. We think our listeners do too, and, and we know that we know they do. So, like, how, how? So, you guys are doing that. You're, 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 you're basically software engineers. Like, how does this happen? Like, you're just sitting around one day, and you're like, "Hey, you know what would be cool? Let's go in and Price. start building pricing <laughs> software for retailers and CPGs." Like, take us back to that conversation. How did this all start? Yeah, I, I think that all the time. How strange the, <laughs> the path has been when I'm when I'm you know getting into the minutia of the price of 
you know, great value Cheerios. And, uh, and, and I think, uh, how's my life taking me here? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, uh, um, you know, Dan and I, like I said, we're really technologists at our, we, we honestly came at, uh, at data assembly and, and, and building this company, um, like only software engineers can, you know, if you read, uh, any, any, uh, advice on how to start a company, you'll read exactly uh, not to do what we did, which is we, we saw an interesting technology problem, had some vague idea about some applications, and just started building. You know, and We just started uh, uh, building technology without the real solution at hand. You know, We had a background, again, like I said, at uh, a retail analytics firm, so we weren't total strangers, but neither were we truly industry experts um, in, in this field. And we just we had some... Uh, early contacts with some some folks at places like General Mills and uh, other companies that we're now working with, who who really um, explained the the problem. So yeah, we were we were you know at this company, it was kind of about to to be sold, and we had some good ideas. Dan approached me, uh, asked if we wanted to branch off, and and we did, and we just started building technology and. You know, had a couple fortunate uh, bends of luck early on, yeah. uh, which uh, you know, if, if any if any of the entrepreneurs that you talk to don't uh, don't admit to the the luck along their path, yeah. they're fooling themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 yeah, it's been a, it's a, been a great journey uh, ever since then. We, we you know we're in the Washington D.C. area, which isn't known to be some incredible tech hub, but we found a, a lot of great contacts there. Yeah. Eventually went through the 500 startups accelerator in San Francisco that really kind of kickstarted mm. our growth and um, and we've been growing the company ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love the, the love that the themes of passion you can hear too in the voice and then of course luck and of course we're a believer too that you make your own luck through that passion a lot of times and can tell that comes through with you guys. So for our listeners both on the CPG side and the retailer side Tell us more specifically now what is your secret sauce? What is the specialty that you guys provide in the marketplace around pricing? Great, great. Yeah, I think I think it takes it, it'll uh, behoove us to take a step back, even from there, and and explain, you know, how uh, the, the opportunity that Dan and I saw is really born of two converging trends. Uh, the first, like I said, is just the the incredible proliferation of pricing sophistication. So while major national retailers maybe used to have one or two or three or five price zones that kind of governed how one store's items were priced compared to another store. Uh, we are now seeing some retailers have, you know, really hyper-local pricing in the truest sense of the word, where each store is essentially its own price zone. And we're seeing more and more retailers getting more and more sophisticated uh, and complex about how they are pricing their items uh, and their private label items and their, you know, uh, just their entire assortment. Um, and and so that that has just caused a lot of uh, anxiety throughout the industry about getting left behind. Other retailers, of course, need to compete by understanding what their, you know, what the competitive retailer is doing. Um, you know, and, and any strategic pricing initiative must take competitors' pricing into account if you're a retailer. And if you're a CPG, you know, you've lost all confidence that you even know what the prices of your own products are on the shelf when you mm-hmm. see this kind of price changes. Uh, even at some of the biggest companies we work with, where they are shocked uh, to see prices of their own products, not to mention competitors or the incredible rise of private label that's that's pushed this forward. So that's kind of one trend, you know, that this kind of getting hyper-local, real-time pricing, promotion, and assortment data is more valuable than ever. And the flip side of that is 
um, that this data is available through new channels that it's never been available to mm. before. And namely, it's been the, the, the meteoric rise of click-and-collect solutions and other uh, solutions that show in-store prices on the web. So DataAssembly primarily collects okay. pricing data from across the web, but we are not collecting e-commerce prices. In fact, we're focused on collecting those in-store prices that you can see online. So if you, you know, take out your phone and uh, you know, go to grocery.walmart.com and pick an individual Walmart location in, you know, in Minneapolis, if it's not covered by snow right now, and I pick one you know, in, in Washington, D.C., we will be able to see the in-store prices of items and which items are available right now in that store. And that model has just become incredibly popular across different retailers, uh, which has allowed us to collect this kind of pricing and promotion and assortment data, which again is more valuable than ever at the localized level, uh, at a scale and scope that's really never been achieved before. And of course, that's a huge technology problem. I mean, we're talking about collecting now billions of product observations a week, keeping a historical database of hundreds of billions on trillions of, of, of product observations, making this available uh, to, to work with by processing the data to match items, to extract promotional types, uh, and so much more. And so it's, a, you know, it's a, a real opportunity of the data, a new channel for the data, and in between sits an incredibly difficult technology problem, uh, which is where we're focused on solving. And what's the full extent of how you're capturing that? I mean, are you guys just scraping the web? Are you looking at mobile apps? Are you looking at you know, third-party service data, like Instacart, things like that? Like, how, how, how are right. you guys looking at all of that? Yeah, we're collecting data from, from hundreds of channels now, you know, including oh, wow. re retailer websites, mobile apps, mobile ordering apps, third-party services like, you know, like some of the ones uh, you mentioned, um, which just allows us to, to capture uh, an incredible tapestry of, of, of pricing sophistication that, that we see in the marketplace. And we're then able to process this uh, into front-end solutions, you know, tools, visualizations, alerts that allow our customers to really understand this despite the, 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 the complexity. That's fascinating, Ben. You know, we have listeners that um, are kind of cover the entire spectrum of retail. What's something that you can tell us about pricing that you think would surprise us and surprise our listeners? No matter how complex any listener here thinks that they uh, that you know, they, they, no matter how much they appreciate the complexity of retail pricing, um, I'd love to sit in front of clients and show them in data assembly a heat map of the price of eggs across the country. You know, and, and yeah. Chris, I think I've, I've even shown you and, and this. It's it's just <laughs> the it, price it's of shocking. Eggs. <laughs> you know, yeah, you see every single. Uh, you know, the value that's possible uh, from, you know, 10 cents to $3 uh, at stores across the country. You know, and I think that there's, there's an increasing appreciation that some of the more sophisticated retailers are doing this. Uh, but what I want to impress upon everyone, and, and I do this often by just showing them, uh, is that this is happening across the board for, you know, national brands, for organic brands, for private label products, for, you know, a, a this kind of pricing complexity is just becoming the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, prices are more volatile uh, than ever as well. They're changing more frequently. Promotions are getting more complex. Uh, and in order to compete in the marketplace, you know, the, the, the CPGs and retailers have to start tracking this kind of thing. 
using that example with eggs, like what are some numbers that you could throw out for us in the audience? Like what, you know, like how often are eggs changing or how variant are they by location? What are, you know, just as an example? Yeah. Yeah. We see, you know, at some national retailers, uh, literally hundreds of different distinct price points at a single retailer uh, across the country and, and hundreds of store locations changing every single week. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you look at the price points now and look at it a month ago, you know, and I, I challenge you to find a pattern there even. It's, it's just becoming uh, so difficult to track. So, yeah, we are just seeing constant changes in price you know, on, on the order of, like I said, hundreds of individual stores at single retailers, big national retailers changing every week uh, across hundreds and even thousands in some cases of distinct price points. What happens, Ben, once you go through that, you share that with your clients, what's, what's the next step that you typically go, what's the journey like that you go through with these CPGs and brands to kind of get them onboarded? And um, what, what are the first steps? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's always a great, it's a great part of, of data assembly's business model here as a SaaS solution uh, that we have on day one, we have all of this data from retailers that we've been collecting uh, prices from for years now. And so we're able to come into a meeting and sit down with a CPG on day one and show them something about their own business that they don't know. You know, I, I might not right. know much about... I'd love about, to be in that point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many of our first meetings get totally derailed because right. you know, I, I, somebody I, gets put I, on I the hook. Something. And, exactly. 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 Yeah. How much time do you allocate for those first meetings? Like, well, you'll give us a half hour. We'll probably need three. Is but... the pricing team there or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. If they, if they want a half hour, I'll, I, I like to leave them wanting more. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you know, that, that's, that's kind of how we start, Anne. And from there, you know, we often um, uh, work out the details, you know, of which products they want to see, which categories, which retailers are most important to them. Uh, we, we, we love working closely with our clients. We come on site for trainings to, to show them how to use uh, our tools were always available uh, to do uh, training via WebEx. And uh, as we get started, you know, we're, we're helping them understand how uh, this pricing data can now be used. Um, you know, th- there's, there's a, 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 an issue here where everyone's fascinated immediately and, and gets that there's something special here. But on the other hand, they're not used to having access to hyper-local item level real-time pricing, which makes them, you know, they, they don't know how to use it always. And so we're, we're you know, I think we're, we've built a company that's really great partner at helping you figure that out, sharing some of the use cases we've seen in order to, to, to help you work through that and integrate it into your operations. And because, you know, we, we've seen the value that this can bring to an organization and we're, we're really excited about providing that to, to more companies. I think that's what drew us to you too, Ben. Like, how, why do the legacy systems not capture what we're talking about? And and I asked that specifically, just having run stores and and worked in retail for a really long time, seeing how people do competitive shops. To me, it always felt like there's a latency in the data. But when you start talking about prices changing on eggs or any category, you know, across the landscape, as much as once a week, if not more, that becomes a real problem if you're not real time. So, like, why do the legacy systems not work, and why, you know, why essentially does what you guys do provide a better access to information that is so valuable? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of legacy systems in place here in, in the industry that have become 
you know, very standard and, and many of them are, are great solutions, uh, but, but they're often, like you said, have some latency or aggregation that makes, that inhibits the true leveraging uh, of the data. So that's born of several factors. First of all, some of this data, uh, as you probably know from competitive shops, is manually collected. Right. Right. And, and, and as, you know, as, as necessary as it will always be to, to go into stores, you know, to, to track your competition to understand what the items look like or, you know, other things that you can only see by physically walking into the store. There is so much that you, that can be replaced with by collecting data from across the web, you know? And so no, no matter how many competitive shoppers you send out, I mean, unless you're hiring a veritable army, you're not going to have every product in every store every week. Right. And with the, and the, the increase in sophistication we're seeing, that's what's necessary to really stay on top of the, the marketplace. Right. Um, and so, you know, manually collected data here. I mean, we, we, we work with so many companies that before us, you know, they were sending out task rabbits to, to stores every week to track, to, to try to collect a couple prices so that they could stay on top of it. We talked to people like directors and VPs, you know, high level people who are driving around to stores to track prices because mm. they want to, they want to <laughs> really make sure that, that it's there. I mean, it's, it's, you know, just the, the, the waste of human capital boggles the mind right. here. I, I can remember being at the end of, of those conversations myself personally, actually. <laughs> so right. the other interesting thing about what you guys do too is that because of how you're collecting the data, right, you have access to see what pri- what's happening in the private label sphere, right? Do you not? If, if, I, if I'm kind of catching your drift here, like because of how you're capturing across mobile apps, the web, you can actually see what retailers are doing with private label pricing. I got to imagine... That's interesting from a pricing perspective. It's interesting from a product introduction perspective. And that's probably interesting for retailers competitively. And I've got to think CPGs too, right? Oh, for sure. And yeah, actually, I mean, the, the other kind of legacy systems in place here are these syndicated data sources that get data directly from the retailers. And, you know, while again, they provide uh, incredible amounts of value to, to, to the companies they work with, and we don't replace everything they do. You know, they are contractually bound in ways that make sharing data just incredibly onerous and, and difficult. And, and part of that, to your point, Chris, is they almost certainly can't share true private label data. I mean, that's the first thing the retailer insists on when they work with a, a syndicated data source. Since, mm. since everything we collect so is publicly right. available data, we're truly able to unsilo this data and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, they say data wants to be free. Here it's a perfect case where the, they, you know, we were able to show item level private label data. And, and actually it's interesting you asked about that one, Chris, where private label, um, you know, of course everyone is, you know, knows that there's been a, a real uh, focus on private label over the last couple of years, but we're seeing uh, a, a resurgence here of, of that focus in the form of pricing pressure where it's kind of those items where the retailers are most likely to play some of these pricing games is with their own products, right. perhaps because they know that the competition it can't track it as closely, mm-hmm. or maybe just because they don't have to deal with the brand managers from the CPGs complaining to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. regardless, that's, that's where we see. And, and, and the interesting side of that is because they have total unequivocal control of their private label pricing because it's their own products, it's also where we see the retailer strategy play out in the finest resolution because it's where they have the best control. Uh, and so you can learn a lot about a retailer's strategy and tactics 
by tracking uh, some of these private label products, which we were able to do, uh, again, I think at a, at a scale and scope that no one has attained before. Yeah, wow, that, mm. that last part's really intriguing. Yeah. I, hope, I hope everyone listening at home or at work definitely, definitely heard that last part because that's pretty important. Yeah. So, Ben, what's next for you guys? Um, what are you guys looking forward to in 2019? Yeah, 2019 is all about growth for us. You know, we've really hit a great stride working with some, uh, you know, some of the best CPGs and retailers and QSRs in the country, and we're just excited to, to continue our growth. We're going to be out at uh, Shop Talk in March, excited to, to, to get our solution in front of uh, a lot more people there. Uh, and we're just, you know, we're, we're continually improving our technology and growing our team to kind of keep our technology lead and the moat we've built around ourselves, but with our historical data and our, uh, our you know, the, the kind of highest quality, most granular data in the market. And we're just going to keep focusing on that and continuing to, to build the business. Awesome. It sounds like you guys have a lot of good steam and a lot of, lot of road in front of you. So that, that sounds fantastic. Now, the big question here before we let you go, are you ready for how millennial are you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So those listening for the first time, remember, this is the game we play. It's similar to the Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton and the questionnaire at the end. And we asked the question not to gauge how young you are, but how curious of mind you are in the changing world around us in terms of everything that's happening from a technology perspective and everything pertaining to our industry. So, Ben, here we go. Question number one. Should the option be available? Are you using a form of mobile payment or are you still pulling out the credit card? Uh, I definitely uh, do some mobile payments. I'm, I'm, uh, some. I, use my, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I use my Apple Pay. I do. Uh, I, I use Apple Pay uh, when it's available. Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Next question, Ben. Uh, how many food or drink items would you uh, think that you've ordered via an app in the last week? You know, it is a huge irony of, of data assembly that, you know, we collect so much data from these mobile ordering <laughs> from mobile <systems>. apps. <laughs> and, I, and I actually very seldom use them is the truth. You know, I, I never really order groceries online. I don't order, uh, you know, with the mobile app so much. However, uh, I would say in the spirit of how millennial are you, and, and I, <laughs> I told myself wait. I'd prepare more for this. Yeah, this week I, I have ordered twice. From he boned up. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like cramming before the Crammed. test. Yeah, that's awesome. Right, we haven't heard right, that before. Right, that's right. awesome. That's awesome. Although, 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 right. Well, no, it was the opposite of cramming. I was hoping, you know, to be able to to say no. That's I'm not like. That. But but the irony here, okay, it may only be twice. Um, but you know, in the spirit of how millennial are you? They were, you know, it was a golden turmeric latte and a golden chai latte. Oh, so oh. it was a pretty uh, <laughs> fancy. Okay, with a side of avocado toast. Yes, yeah, you're right. good to go. Right, you're good exactly. To go. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, last question. This is our favorite one, I think. It's or it's becoming our favorite one. Uh, this will be a good one, I think, too. So, if you could only use one social app, say for the next year, what app would it be, and why? Okay, so this is truly, I think, where I differentiate the most from the millennials. I'm okay. not big on Instagram. I'm, okay. I don't use Facebook that much. Uh, I don't use Twitter really that much, is the truth at all. Um, There's nothing you know, wrong the, with that, Ben. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's and like a fist, bu- fist pumping over here. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, the two that I use uh, mm-hmm. most frequently 
are in the old, all the millennials, my co-millennials out there will have to forgive me is LinkedIn, which yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm frequently on mm-hmm. uh, for, for data assembly. And for my personal life, I'm, I'm more into Reddit, where I think there's a lot of mm. uh, great subreddits with discussions and topics that, that uh, you can really hone to your interests without, I think, some of the uh, uh, toxicity and shilling you see on Instagram and others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, we're hearing LinkedIn a lot actually with right. with the people that we're interviewing, which makes sense, I think, given especially what you know types of things people are doing day in and day out. So yeah. fa- fantastic! Yeah. All right, that was good. You know, you did all right. I think the cramming <laughs> might have helped you a little bit. Some of that late right. stage work. <laughs> um, turmeric latte for sure. <laughs> turmeric latte definitely, definitely. I don't know if that helps you or hurts and it you was actually. Delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. You have to say that. You have to say that. Right. All right. Well, we we uh, we of course have to ask you too if people want to learn more about data data assembly. Where should they go? Uh, what should, you said you're going to be at Shop Talk. How should they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, you can go to dataassembly.com, uh, D-A-T-A-S-E-M-B-L-Y, so it's one S, uh, and, and definitely just reach out to me directly. I'm you know, at then at dataassembly.com. Again, that's D-A-T-A-S-E-M-B-L-Y.com. Uh, I'd love to, love to be in touch. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, man, it's been great having you on the show after all these months. We really appreciate it. Again, it's Ben Reich of Data Assembly. Check it out. And of course, as always, be careful out there.